This is DJ Maceo, a.k.a. Dr. Spock. You know what it is. It's your boy, Young Guru, a.k.a. The Beast, a.k.a. Hank McCoy, a.k.a. Not a Brahma. Hey, yo, 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 this is Foul Munch. Oh, hey, this is your friendly neighborhood superhero, Gene Gray. What's up? This is Spike Lee from the Republic of Brooklyn, New York. This is Axel Alonso, editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics. When I'm not sitting at my desk ruling the comic book universe, I'm listening to Fan Bros. Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. What's up, internets, and welcome to another Fan Bros special delivery. Uh, This is Chico Leo flying through the night skies in the escape pod. I've got as my wingman uh, looking out my left screen in another uh, another escape pod. I've got Kimsonian, a.k.a. the Internet's Thulsa Doom. Look at how fly my hair is did. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, Thulsa Doom, I mean, there's a lot of ways in which you could aspire to be Thulsa Doom, but I, I think the hair is, is really one area. Bone, bone straight, we call it in the hood. Right. Bone straight. Right. Yeah, anyone who uh, hasn't watched Conan the Barbarian in a while, which is like, uh, you know, pretty much a perfect cinematic experience, just watch the movie just watching how uh, James Earl Jones as Thulsa Doom plays with his hair uh, when he's not conducting orgies and turning into a giant snake. And having uh, white women jump to their death. At his having command. white women jump to their deaths and gener- and beg him to kill them and just generally uh, being, you know... Really dope. I mean that. I mean, yeah. I mean, he should just be called the Mac. <laughs> but we are really here tonight to talk about uh, the most recent episode of The Walking Dead, which was titled "Spend." It was actually directed by Jennifer Lynch, who is David Lynch's daughter, um, whose only uh, venture into uh, cinema was the boxing Helena catastrophe of, I don't know, could be cu- coming on twenty years ago. Um, but she directed a very disastrous movie that uh, ruined both her own and and Cheryl and Fenn and Julian Sands' career. But here she is uh, <laughs> later to with a uh, with a Walking Dead episode with a somewhat inscrutable title. I gotta say, I think she uh, she made up for Boxing Helena because this was a super satisfying episode of Walking Dead. Oh yeah, in my I, opinion, I completely agree. This was an A. Up. This was the this was the best episode. I, I even think it was better than the Tyrese dying episode. The Tyrese dying episode was like trying to do something that the show, you know, can kind of stretch out sometimes. But tonight's show, they kept it all the way. Nineteen seventy nine, Dawn of the Dead effects. I mean, the reveals, the twists, the turns. It was on and popping tonight on The Walking Dead. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, once again, you know, we point out that the show goes to, uh, to pains to showing different kinds of zombie deaths. And the the two tonight were pro- arguably the most graph, straight up graphic that they've seen where we got real up and close while like a whole horde of zombies uh, ate. What's his fit? Was his name Aiden? Uh, I think was the, the dude from the village. And then, of course, Noah. Uh, got eaten while in. I mean, that whole uh, set piece of in the uh, revolving door was amazing. And so Glenn is literally right on the other side of the glass of the revolving door, like less than a foot away, while Noah is getting, you know, ripped apart, his face eaten off. 
I mean, it it was it was all the way real. So trending I mean, trending tonight for those who don't know, Noah was is played by the guy who played Everybody Hates Chris. So trending tonight was Everybody Ate Chris hashtag. So right. that was going on pretty fast. Also, I gotta say, Chico, way to go for spoiler alert announcements. You know, I mean, I guess everybody who's listening to this has probably seen it. But there were two major deaths tonight. Anyway, maybe you can run out. Well, one minor death and one major death. Well, I mean, that, actually, that other dude was nowhere near like well, Noah. Noah was a main character. Right. Why don't you run season. down the episode and let's lead up to that point. So all all along, we've been getting hints and clues and facts that the people that Rick and, and company have settled down with are just not ready for primetime players. They're not up to the zombie apocalypse. They've walled themselves in, but they seem more concerned with pasta makers and, you know, recipes for cookies and things like that than they are really understanding what's going on. And that was ba- that was 100% driven, driven home tonight. What was also driven home tonight is that these people have a don't save your friends like run attitude this is this has to be the most frustrating aspect about when the crew that we know and love is coming from the road they're battle tested battle worn granted they do need some you know place to stay and they show up and they find these other i guess sanctuaries or whatever it is and i said it last week i'm saying it again this week these people that they run into are never as good as they are they're never their rules that's that they true. Es- the rules that they establish are cockamamie and the main the biggest one is this idea of letting whoever gets like is it remotely in danger with the walkers they just bounce and they just let them run like they just let them die it's so crazy well i it reminded me even before this episode in watership down like there are a bunch of wandering rabbits who are almost like Rick and them and they do come upon a, a crew of rabbits who are all fat and sophisticated, but they live next to a lettuce field and there's there's like traps, wires in there, and they've just accepted that like every few weeks one of them is going to die and they just don't even talk about it or think about it and they're just concentrate on their like great life as it is. And that that's what this reminded me of, um, you know, where these people are just in this, they're, they're just not... In, in, in living in reality and they, they they just don't want to deal with it and rescuing people and putting yourself out there would be I mean they make you know they built the wall they definitely have someone in in a tower or or, or in a in a cherry picker you know uh, standing guard at one point I mean they're not to- they're not like you know infants. But they're just clearly not. They're not battle tested. They're not. Um, they don't have up close and personal contact with the the walkers, and so when they do get up close and personal, everything about them is just like run away, run away. So it affects. You know, there's three different basically situations. They go out on a run. Glenn and his crew, which includes Noah and the son of the Alexandria, the senator, whatever, right? Um, the female senator who I think his name is Aiden, and the right. other dude is Nicholas, who's with him. Right, him and his pal, whatever. It's kind of irrelevant right now, but you know, they go out on a run, and anytime they follow, you know, we know the show. Anytime you go on a run, nothing good's gonna happen out of it. Right, somebody's not gonna come back home. So I knew that that was going to happen. And, of course, we also see the rise of Eugene, who goes from, you know, this guy who doesn't want to fight to somebody who does fight and actually defends uh, Kara, I think her name is, um, you know, after she gets hit in the head or something. 
Oh, the explosion hit her. Um, anyway, all the details, people can actually, you know, watch the episode. But I think what happens is we see the shifting of positions and the characters. And this all leads up to this crazy confrontation in a storage house, uh, warehouse, where they were looking for some generators to turn the power back on. And and things things go from bad to worse to even worse. And in each situation, it's caused by the new people like basically a what it starts off where Aiden is shooting at a guard in who's wearing um he's got armor on and he's got like flares or a grenade or something on his armor and they specifically tell him to go hand to hand and he keeps shooting the guard the grenade or the flare or whatever that's on his uniform explodes and it makes the situation go from bad to worse because now suddenly Aiden is now impaled on some wreckage. And um, yeah, the Alana Masterson character, I, I, I can't remember her name either, but she's gravely wounded and, and it frees these walkers who were behind a, uh, a fence. So then the other dude doesn't want to stick around and help get Aiden off of the wreckage because he's actually impaled on some stuff. And that leads to things getting worse, and they're unable to... Glenn and Noah bravely stay behind trying to get him off, but they can't. Right. And and they would have been... It's implied that they would have been able to if Nicholas had stayed around. And then Nicholas bugs out and runs through these revolving doors. They both end up in, in, in these revolving doors with the, you know, the glass out and zombies attacking from both sides. I mean, it was definitely a really great set piece. Yeah, it was. It was actually reminded me a lot of the True Detective num- uh, episode number four where, you know, they did that m- one long master shot. Um, yes. Where I felt like you're really in it and you're really immersed in the situation and the filming was great. And, you know, it all leads to a super surprise, which is that I had no idea that Noah was going to go out. And right. I, I, I didn't think at all that he was going to be the one taken out. And it was crazy because, you know, there's that one moment where he's behind the glass. Glenn is like inches away from him and he's being eaten in a way. And he got grabbed and then they, they kind of cut to him coming back and he's behind this glass. And so we get to see as the audience, we get to see him up close being disemboweled. And in the process, he puts his hand up. He does the Spock from Wrath of Khan and he's like, right. he puts up the he puts up his hand and he's like pleading, you know, like it's that whole, you know, last moment thing. And I, I just felt like, man, this is like super dramatic. And then they keep cutting back to him. And then his face is being shredded to pieces. And Glenn's having like this heart attack and, you know, inches away from it. So it was it was really, really well done. I, I really like it. It was really well done. And, and there was some stuff that happened back at Alexandria. So back at Alexandria, the priest who we haven't seen do much, um... Uh, basically uh, went to the leader and was like, these are bad people. They don't deserve to be here. And basically, you know, could, couldn't have betrayed them harder. And Maggie overheard that. Also, um, Carol and Rick, or Carol discovers and tells Rick that one of the dudes there is beating his wife right. and possibly beating his kid. Right. And Carol was married to a dude who beat her part of her whole strength that she has comes from all of that the other thing is and which is kind of blatant is like the black people are dying off mighty quick right now right so at this point it's not there are other than the priest i don't think there are any black men left men no and they've revealed the priest to be a villain in this season now we still have you know certainly sasha and obviously michonne who are two strong characters but it's almost as if um they're setting things up for next season 
that um, Daryl and Rick and Abraham are going to go and basically reform that fraternity in Oklahoma. Okay. I'm sorry. That was that was that was what came to mind with the, the no black men left. Yeah, the the only black men that the only people who've gotten killed this season have been black men. It's it's very interesting because but they always replace them. So I think one of the things in showbiz is like, hey, can I get that? Let me get that like four episode arc on Walking right. Dead. So I'm sure they have some guys lined up. You know, like you can it's, you can I mean, add that to your resume. I did feel that the cast had gotten a little unwieldy. Like even this episode, there was one shot of Daryl. We didn't see any of Sasha, and we didn't see any of Michonne. Right. It did feature more characters than usual, but I had felt that the cast was a little unwieldy. And we are at a point now where they've really gotten rid of, like, you like most of the people that are left, you know, certainly more than the Shanes and the Lorries. Right, and, right, and, from a couple and, of seasons know, Carol's ago. husband and people like that. Right. So it's definitely, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm I, not going to go too hard on the show in the sense that, I mean, there's definitely, it, it's worth pointing out that in the fifth season, the only deaths, I mean, well, no, Beth was this season as well, right? Yeah, the, the, right. Um, yeah, so Beth and yeah, so I guess it, it isn't that they've only killed black men, but it's 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 worth pointing out. Um, and so now the priest is a, is you know revealed himself to be villainous, and I don't know that he's going to make it out of. He certainly doesn't deserve to make it out of season five, which will you know leave it as you know, and it's not like. I don't think there are going to be any black men joining them from Alexandria. We did meet one middle-aged, you know, black woman who had like three lines trying to calm Sasha down when Sasha, you know, uh, kind of had her freak out at the party. But that's it. That's the only. I don't think we've seen any any people of you know. There's no Asian people. There's no Arab people. There's no African people. There's no Asian. It's Alex- I don't know. It's Alexandria. It's a suburb. No of Latinos. D- right, but it's a suburb of DC. So what are you going to get? You're not going to get right. Well, DC. yeah. But anyway, I do think that Eugene is. I'm I'm losing my patience with Eugene, and um, he could have definitely ate it as a. But I guess they had other plans, and now he's going to step up a little bit. He's got his uh, war scars, so he's feeling a little empowered. He's got his armor on now. Um, I don't know. Some of these other characters, um, you know, the the main crew, I, I dig. I, I just hate when they. Oh yeah, we they we meet also up didn't see Rose, Rose Rosalita or whatever. Her well, name we is. did see her. She was in bed sleeping um, oh. when Abraham left her. Okay, I sorry. Guess. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we didn't see it. But actually, last episode we didn't see much of the other guys. They, you know, they pick and choose when they have a big cast. So, um, so why I don't know. Yeah, why it was called Spend, but it was it was called Spend. All right, awesome. This episode, I don't, we, you know, <laughs> anyway. um, they've had sort of some weird, you know, one name episodes this season that haven't been as on the nose as in the past, but that one, I don't, I, I definitely don't, uh, I don't remember. Uh, I mean, not. I don't remember. I don't. I don't know why they would. Uh, you know wh- where that comes from. I well, either way, this was a good one. There's only two episodes left. We'll see how this one ends. I'm praying to the Walking Dead gods that they get out of Alexandria before the end of the season, or uh, that they take over Alexandria. Although uh, then it wouldn't be no. that much of a show. It's like the Hulk from the '70s. Banner. Right, they got to keep moving. He's got to keep moving. You got to play the piano music, and he's got to hitchhike. They got to keep right. on the road, man. So that's my my take. 
So I guess in other in other TV news, we wanted to check back in with uh, Better Call Saul. Um, that was definitely we we uh, we both I think gave it a, a pretty positive review after the first season. I actually um, had first episode. Lower ex- First episode. I had lower expectations, so I was pleasantly surprised with the first episode. And I feel like it's it's kept that level, if not, you know, improved since then. So I've been pretty thrilled with it. I was very skeptical of the whole Better Call Saul thing. Um, I thought it was going to be more like after MASH, you know, the show that, <laughs> right, you know, was right. a spinoff from MASH rather than, you know, say Frasier or, you know, a different world. So, you know, there are some good spinoffs, but most spinoffs don't work. Um, the Jeffersons really, was a great spinoff. Yes, it, it it really feels like it's set in the Breaking Bad world. The tone is the same. Um, it's definitely you know cinematically interesting. But we got Mike Ehrmantraut's, uh origin story in this episode, um, which was great, I think. And Jonathan Banks, who who's the actor, he did a, a, a you know an amazing job. Um, it's, it was really good because it, to me, this is the first episode that made me feel like I was actually watching Breaking Bad. I feel like this episode could have been an episode of Breaking Bad. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I, to- I totally with a, agree. With a couple of tweaks, I really feel like this episode could have been a Breaking Bad episode. And this, it, it really was really like like engaging and he took front and center and I'm thinking this is a series by itself. So yeah. better call Saul is actually going to be better call Saul and Mike, you know what I mean? Cause I really feel like their relationship is going to get explored a lot more and uh, it's going to bring the kind of the weight and the griminess of the hitman to the sliminess of him being the lawyer. You know what I mean? So I think that combination is going to be really good. Absolutely. Yeah. So Better Call Saul, if you were a Breaking Bad fan and you haven't gotten on the, you know, the bandwagon, it's definitely um, is definitely worth checking out. Um, one show that I did check out and I only watched the pilot of was Powers, which is it. it, it this is uh, basically based on a uh, a comic book that came out. Um, on, I think there were three different iterations of the comic book for different companies. And it's a it was an indie comic done by Brian Michael Bendis and Mike Avon Oming. Um, that the the premise is you know the cops working with superheroes and you know taking a more active role in locking up um, supervillains and this is the unit dealing with supervillains and the main character is actually played by Sharko Sharko Copley. Um, oh yeah, the, the District Nine guy. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, I, it, it, it's had a troubled history, the show. Um, I actually read some of one of the iterations of the comic and I liked it. The tone of the show is way different than what I read. And this was also like 10 years ago that I read it. Um, the, the, the tone is a little weird and the show has had, a uh, an unfortunate history. It's one of these things. FX tried to launch it twice. It has a really, really good top notch cast, but again, I, I think it's one of these things that there's too many cooks. It's like one of these movies where like 10 different screenwriters have worked on it. And um, I all I only watched the pilot, which did have the, a lot of the pilot is like a huge info dump, which comes in the way of Mario Lopez on E or Entertainment Tonight or some version extra. <laughs> what? Um, 
you know, like giving you information, right. which, you know, I actually think is a legitimate way of doing that. Okay. A lot of these shows have to do like an information dump of some sort. Right. Um, I did read a review that said that it got better with the third episode. Okay. Um, and the same guy directed the first two. Now, I only directed the fr- I only watched the first one, and I always say you can't judge a show right. based on one episode. Right. However, I'm probably not going to go back to it uh, based on the tone. Okay. But if I start hearing from people that, yo, this is really good or this is worth checking out, yeah. um, then maybe I will. I mean, Spartacus is one of my favorites, and I think it has a terrible pilot. So there are shows that if you stick with them, it's really worth it. Right. Um, not like Fringe got better, but right. Yeah. Not not, mean, not Resurrection, which I thought had a really good pilot, but didn't have a really good season or series. And I know they're they have a second season, but I totally they have a second that. season. And then there's the, the 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 there was a French show that was just like Resurrection that's getting the American version that's coming. Right. right. So. We're we're all uh, you know we're all about that. Um, one one heads up for people is that uh, another show based on a comic, I Zombie, is starting on the CW this Tuesday, and it's going to be on uh, after the Flash. So anyone who watches the Flash, I, I I would you know recommend sticking around. I read um, the first trade paperback of the Vertigo comic that it's based on. The art was by Mike Allred, who was famous for Mad Men. I don't remember who wrote it. But the premise is that a girl is a zombie and she ends up working at the um, maybe she works in the morgue to begin with. But she ends up getting a job at the morgue. And so she eats the brains of the people in the morgue. And when she does, she gets she's able to see their memories psychically. So she ends up solving crimes by eating brains. (laughs) Um, I mean, it sounds a little wacky and it is a little, you know, sort of wacky, but. Um, it's done by the people who did Veronica Mars, which was oh, actually yeah. a really big cult hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I'm definitely going to check it out, and I'm going to give it more than one episode. Um, and, uh, yeah, so iZombie is another show. iZombie and Powers are both shows based on comics like Walking Dead. Um, Powers is not as good as Walking Dead. <laughs> Uh, but maybe maybe it will become so. And I Zombie, you know, we uh, will find out. Well, another show that I think um, I'm not going to give it more than one episode, and it's not based on a comic, but apparently did get a lot of views on its first episode was uh, American Crime, and um, it's not so much a Fanbro sci-fi or fantasy thing, but um, it is in the true crime genre, which is all the rage these days. I think based on True Detective, everybody scrambled to get their crime show, dark crime show on the scene. But anyway, uh, American Crime, uh, there's a crime that happens unseen, and it affects all these different families, um, and it's really not engaging. Uh, a lot of stereotypes, a lot of racist types, and, and I could tell already from the first uh, episode that it's all about kind of turning things topsy-turvy and they're going to lead you on some wild goose chase. But essentially, I, I don't know, maybe somebody else could could really get into it. I, I could not. <laughs> it was very yeah, it was very I wanted to actually watch, yeah. watch the first episode, and I didn't. I had actually trepidations because it looked like it might be like a mess like Crash. The, it is. The it actually, it totally reminded me of Crash. It also right. reminded me of 
Um, Traffic, big time, reminded me of the movie Traffic. Oh, I, I like Traffic a lot. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not talking about the movie. I'm talking about the right, idea, okay, the yeah. construction that because the multiple one, story, yeah, lines. and then the multiple like the the multiple characters that how one event affects all these different characters. It's been done a million times. Sometimes it's done well. Other times it's not done well. In this particular case, in the pilot, I was not intrigued, um, and I will not give it the three episode. Uh, test. Right. Um, that said, when it comes to true crime, the best true crime show ended this week, and that was The Jinx on HBO, and that was incredible. Now that, you can't beat reality, and that's the real deal. A- absolutely. So so the, the, for people who don't know, Robert Durst was a really wealthy guy who I, I think it's pretty clear killed his wife killed and dismembered a neighbor and friend of his and then killed another friend of his. And he basically wanted to clear the air and clear his name. And he got, you know, he got, he, he basically agreed to do this documentary and, you know, some killers and, and criminals are so bold. It's like criminals who come back to the crime scene. So, so basically it, it, it was almost, I mean, something came out last week where almost every time he lied, he blinked. And there were all these times where it was just clear that he was lying and he was blinking. But basically today, today we're recording this on Sunday night. And this morning he was arraigned. Yesterday he was arrested from evidence that was uncovered in the TV show by the documentary filmmakers. And... It's pretty amazing that you're watching a six-part real-life, real-crime thing where it begins with the guy coming on trying to show his side, and it ends with him arrested from evidence that was actually produced by the TV show. Which mirrors a lot that uh, podcast serial that everybody was listening to last year where they, this January, they... Not reopen the case, but I forget. At he least got another hearing. He got another hearing, which yeah. was five years in the making, and here it is at you know on the at the end of this incredible run of a podcast, you know, a true crime podcast about a real case. You know, this guy gets a um, a, a hearing. So I'm wondering if this is going to be a pattern where people are going to take like Dateline, which happens every week, but they don't right. really they don't really go super super in depth. And I think what's happening now is these. Are, are these shows that go like re- or projects that go really in depth on these very dubious cases. And in this case, you know, the guys, Robert Durst is, he was, you know, had so much money all his life. He was able to buy his innocence in so many places in so many ways. And, uh, now I think his time has run out. He's an old man now, but the, the end of tonight's, uh, the last episode where they keep the mic on, he takes a bathroom break and he, his mic is still on. And he, well, he takes a bathroom break after they suddenly show him evidence that kind of proves that right, he killed right. The they woman presented in him right. They presented him with the fact that he might have written an anonymous anonymous letter and uh, you know a, a letter they compared it to another letter. a letter that had his yeah. own you know his own office letterhead on it. So anyway, he's busted. But then you hear him in the bathroom talking to himself. Where he's almost like rehearsing these these answers or just mulling over stuff in his head, and he just basically says, you know, that he he killed them all, of course. And so I, you know, and they end there. And what's interesting is like 
the way he said it could have been a thought or he could have been repeating what he thinks they think of him. Anyway, right. but the the well, point is... It was almost a conversation with himself. Right, like, exactly. He never got to the point of Gollum and Smeagol, but that was sort of what I was thinking at one point because he was sort of asking he, a question and then answering it. It was definitely really weird. It was definitely... There was a Gollum Smeagol thing going on there. But the yeah. fact that they actually arrested this guy, it's like they should have put a post, I don't know, some sort of post uh edit on on there or something you know some epilogue or something but we'll see we'll see we'll see how i wasn't out. actually expecting an epilogue because it actually was even shorter it was only like 40 minutes and it was in like an hour slot and so i was expecting actually like some kind of epilogue but it, it, it is pretty amazing. It's a pretty amazing real-life crime thing. I think you're right. We're going to be seeing more of these. There was a, a French documentary called The Staircase about an American professor who might or might not have thrown two of his wives down a flight at the same flight of stairs. Um, you know, it's... Uh, I think Robert Durst is probably going to go away for the California thing, but they'll never get him for his wife. No. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, but here they have, uh, you know, almost complete obvious evidence right you know about his situation anyway there's nothing better than true crime so american crime i don't know uh you got a lot of competition these days if you're going to be running in that genre yeah i i guess that's it um you know uh keep it uh keep it tuned to fan bros um we got a lot a lot coming up and a really great uh i think we got a really great episode this week uh planned oh actually chico i did want to ask are you watching empire at all i am still not watching empire i i I stick with my i didn't watch dallas i didn't watch falcon's crest i didn't you know i don't the you know, this, this this actually sponsored a really interesting conversation on Twitter, like what's the difference between a soap opera and a drama? Because you could argue, yeah, Empire is a drama the way other things are no, dramas. it's a soap opera. Right, and so I'm arguing it's a soap opera. Look, I, I, I never even could watch Dark Shadows, and that's a soap opera that has vampires. <laughs> right, well, the great thing about Empire is that it's so ridiculous on so many levels that you could swap out, like, it's easily a telenovela like the lines it's so it's so classic you know that the the overacting and all these little quips and the lines and stuff i mean granted it's a phenomenon and like i said before i think it's great that the guy who was who's gay on the show actually kind of came out in real life he was on ellen right. and i mean he's been out but now he's out i guess in public you know so i thought that was like a positive thing but Anyway, it continues to be a phenomenon. I just wanted to ask you and, and get that in there because, you know, it's it's one of those things where I feel like you could reenact it like and just go over the top with it and it'll just be it is pure camp. It is. You got to call it for no. What it is. There's also this issue of just if there was more time in the day, I, I definitely would have checked it out by now. You know, we've gotten to a point where there's just so many shows on so many channels i mean there was something like you know 14 new shows not on network tv 10 years ago and now this year there were over a thousand you know and so yeah you know i i I probably should have checked out empire rather than watch the first three episodes of uh, 12 monkeys or um you know tried to watch the first three episodes of helix this season oh it's terrible um, yeah you can't get those hours back but i am excited i do have to say about i mean i was gonna say you can binge watch empire and you'll you'll have you'll be probably happier that you did it that way as opposed to you know every week but i am gonna say um i 
I think this new Netflix movement with Marvel is going to be really good. Um, and we'll, we'll see how that plays out in uh, the coming months. But Daredevil premiering next month. I'm really excited to binge watch a Marvel type show. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, and again, I feel like we have every reason to have high expectations because Agent Carter was so good. I mean, that was their first, you know, foray into these miniseries like that, you know? Right, but I think Daredevil, I, I mean, we'll see, but um, I feel like it because you can, like, like the binge watch thing is really, really, it's effective. Oh, that's true. When it, com- true. When it comes to a, a Marvel kind of title, I think it's going to work really well. Right, you, it's like reading a trade paperback than exactly. reading each issue. Exactly. No, you're right. That's true. Because Agent Carter was, was uh, you know... Weekend, you know, it was each week, and I think there was actually a skip week in there that was really annoying. There you go. <laughs> All right, so uh, that's it. Um, and, uh, you know, keep watching TV and, uh, you know, check back here. Uh, same, same bad channel, same bad time. Fan Pro!